Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Please allow us to introduce ourselves. My name is Trace. This is James. We are the Feral Minds Podcast. Now, that's a name that we spent many grueling days rolling over, but in the end, we fell in love with it after we discovered the definition of feral. It might not be one you've looked up very often, but in doing so, you will find that it is defined as a wild state, especially after escape from captivity or domestication. And this spoke to us because that's a lot of what we want to come here and talk about. We want to touch on what it felt like to dive into a life of domestication, of conformity, how that felt once it was done, and then the choice we made to journey out into a life of freedom, free with our time, free with our thoughts, (laughs) free with our emotions not caged in or chained by the limitations that society tells you you have to do in order to be part. We wanted to be in the zoo, though. If you think about your your progress with education, you're working your way into some type of cage, and then all of a sudden you look around and go, whoa, wait a minute, there's a cage around me. I I was thought I was seeking education and then enlightenment and a career, and all of a sudden I'm bound by these walls. And these walls are going to continue to be my boundary until I start to evaluate them, evaluate whether or not they can continue to keep the wild mind that I have somehow now yielded behind these cage doors, or can they somehow commiserate? Can I explore my feral side while I'm in the cage? Can I bend the bars of the cage a little bit and be feral while I'm domesticated? These are all experiences we've had. These are all confusing thoughts that we've had. And this is the journey that you and I have been on. And it took us a couple of days to find the meaning or the title of the podcast. But the reality is it took us about 15 years to realize, wow, this is, uh, this is some type of domestication that, that I've willingly walked into. And now it doesn't fit me well. In fact, I, I think my conformity to that domestication became a deformity for me. And it took me a while to awaken to that reality. And so we're going to explore that journey that we've had. We're going to explore our wild nature of our mind and in some of the places where we may compromise to allow that to fall into domestication. And when we say domestication, we mean the ideas that are brought by other people that we accept as the reality that we have to chase. And, and not only our life, our parenting areas, our career, what we do with our fitness, what we do with our diet. There's conformity all around us, and and it's our goal to explore that and hopefully encourage some thought around conformity that may not be serving us anymore. Yeah, that domesticated state can feel so comfortable, relaxing as you start to ease into it. Not only only comfortable, it feels like a goal you have achieved. I worked hard X amount of years in education, X amount of years in working hard, showing up and doing the job to build the cage that I didn't realize was was a cage until all of a sudden it started clinking on me a little bit. And when it started clinking, I started looking around and going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what have I, what have I done to myself and how am I voluntarily staying inside this cage? 
Well, and, and a cage is, is a negative connotation to put to it. But I, I know that we both kind of want to also touch on the fact that this has been a bittersweet experience. Well, one of the things I'll put out there is I am extremely glad that I got domesticated for about 15 years. There was a time in my 20s, early 30s, that the structure was necessary. You almost wouldn't even call what had happened to me in my 20s and 30s caging it up. It was almost more like you were putting banks onto the side of a river. There was an energetic flow that had to get put out somewhere. And I often say the place I ended up, it's, I'm kind of curious, you know, did they discover me or did I discover them? Because there was a familiarity with the way I used my energy there for a long time that I loved. There were accomplishments, um, you know, promotions, accolades, uh, connections with other people that are made throughout that time to make it a very worthwhile experience. But the problem is, is you don't want to stick around in that once it's expired, once there is no more freshness, when it has nothing left to offer you. When the signal's glaring at you that, hey, things are, they're not the way you intended them to be, and, and it's no longer bringing your creativity or your drive and focus to whatever responsibility you have in front of you. Like you're saying, no longer does, but at one point it did. Yeah, it, it, there is a time and, and there's, a, there's a place where you're growing through the lesson and, and you don't quite know the lesson and you, you're not even aware it is a lesson. You're just working. I went and I got a job because that's what I do after I get an education. And, and that's what all the guidance is. Go get a college education and get a job. And what happens after that? Well, we don't talk a whole lot about what happens after that. That kind of becomes this gray area where you just navigate it on your own. You try to figure it out. You take this education that may or may not fit exactly what you're doing in a, in a role, and you get to doing it. And you get to learning it through the repetition of whatever corporate challenge you have in front of you. But none of it came from the textbook, and the textbook was never going to prepare you for it. You had to get the reps in, in the field, in order to feel exactly what this occupation turned out to be. And then at some point, you're going to look back and, and, and see what those reps have done to you. Did, did that strengthen you to where you're excited, you're enthusiastic, you're right in the place you need to be and you want to keep progressing? Or has that familiarity gotten to where you're tired of it? You're coming in, going through the motions. You've decided to give as little as possible to this endeavor because you see it's not serving you anymore. See, I, I got to that point in, in that career, um, probably about, about 10 years in. Like I've said, I love the 15 years I was there, especially 10 of it. Me and this career in my 20s were a match made in heaven. Once things changed outside of that career, other pursuits, interests in life, you know, things that left me not wanting to spend all of my time and energy. Maturity. Maybe maturity. maturity. You know, an awareness, an awakening that, hey, this box that I've got myself into doesn't fit me anymore. Now, how do I, how do I get out of this? Well, I didn't know. So all I did was keep sitting in that same place, showing up, waiting for something outside of me to make the change I knew was necessary. And I wouldn't uh, necessarily recommend going about it that way. It takes a lot of pride to swallow. Once that ax finally comes down on you, yeah. there's, there's a, it's a bittersweet moment. You allowed it to become a physics equation at certain times when you allow other people to take action on your misery. When you're asking for them to end what, for whatever reason, 
you're having difficulty ending. So let, let's talk a little bit about your corporate career, your domestication, as we, we say in tongue-in-cheek. What, what did that look like? And uh, what exactly do you do today to occupy your time? Well, it was um, beginning in college. I, I didn't even wait till I got out. I'd already kind of gotten some uh, good experience and then decided to uh, marry my education in with the, the career I already had. So it became a management degree regardless of whether I was interested in that when I started college or not, because I wasn't. It's hard to say that anybody would ever really have a burning desire to get a management degree. When, when I hear that, when I hear you're, you're getting a business admin degree or you're getting a management degree, that's saying I'm getting a college degree degree. I'm getting this right? over with. Yeah, That is as generic down the middle as you can. And it's like, uh, listen, I don't even exactly care what it is. I'm getting that piece of paper. And the paper is my goal. And I've always thought that about management. And then the skills that they teach you in college to manage people are theory-based. And often they, they don't involve the conflict that comes when you're managing people. I, I often am reminded of that phrase, those who can't do, teach. You know, if you're sitting there getting taught how to manage somebody who isn't managing people, do they really know what they're doing? That was college. Yeah, and, that, and that's college. But I made it out alive, made it out without too much debt. Thankful for that. And I think we'll touch that later down in some episodes. I mean, are you getting what you pay for on that deal? I came out of it, though, with a career waiting on me. They matched up, and it took off. I had a lot of success. And that's kind of, again, what I look back on. You know, I'd rather, rather be at a place that's getting the best of me. There for a long time, they talked me into coming in and giving them everything I had. And I loved it when that was happening. But then when it stopped happening, your first thought is to look at yourself. Like, what am I doing wrong? What happened to me? Why am I? Whenever that isn't even the case whatsoever, I had to realize that the situation I was in was the problem. Me wanting growth and development and change in my life is completely normal. And the trying to fight against that was what was tough. Yeah. And at some point I started losing the fight. And that was the day you get walked to the guard shack. All right, well, we, we jumped to the end of the story. Let's move back to the beginning of the story. Where were you working? How long were you there? So the occupation was at UPS. I started off just loading trucks, loving that. I was one of the only people that didn't realize that you were supposed to get paid for setup. I came to my manager one time and asked if it'd be okay if I came in early so I could open up all the trailer doors and get the paperwork ready. You got a lot of energy you want to spend, right? I, I don't know that that you need compensation for your energy all the time. Sometimes you just need the the compensation is the outlet. Well, that's something that, uh, strangely enough, I realized early on that the pay for your work isn't what's going to give you reward or satisfaction in your work. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a necessary evil that we all have to deal with in this world. But it is not where you're going to find your joy at work. It, your joy comes from what you're doing how you're spending the time, where your mind is while you're doing it. And there for a long time, I was exactly in the right place. Loaded trucks was awesome. I had a guy promote. Training people, running different belts, guy promote. Running a whole wall in, in, in a certain twilight atmosphere, guy promoted. Go in, you're running preload, get promoted. You go out, you know, it's just lateral moves and promotions were, you were doing well. A steady, a you steady were receiving move. praise and you were you were in a place where you felt good about what you were doing. You felt good about the praise you were receiving. And that all amalgamated to I like my job. Mm -hmm. This is working well for me. Yeah. When did it stop working for you? Well, whenever I had my child. 
And I started having desires outside of my own career pursuit and my marriage to that company. It's easy to get caught up in that. I saw other people around me do it. This is part of why I learned the lesson and realized, hey, this isn't what's going to be for me long term. I watched managers above me put their emphasis on their career, accept transfers that were going to destroy their families, put themselves in places they didn't want to be, and then watch themselves try to numb or distract themselves from it while it was going on. You know, you get into any organization that has long-term seniority, high stress, you know, management levels, you start running into people that have distraction issues, addiction issues. And I myself became one of those people. It, 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 it turned into a, an alcohol addiction for me to try to distract myself from a career that I felt was so wonderful for me at one point, but now isn't. And so you start saying there's something wrong with me. I've got to get through this. And instead of waking up every day excited to go into work with the impact of the change you might have or popping open trailer doors for free, you wake up with dread. You wake up not even wanting to live that day because you are afraid, anxious. It, it label any well, you're negative not emotion. You're not motivated because you've done it a million times and now you know it's getting your time. No, no matter how many times you've done it, it still needs your time today. It needs your time yesterday. And now you have this other being in your life and, and they want your time. And so now you have a duel for your time. And we already know in a traditional corporate job who wins that. And the vast majority of your hours are going to go to the corporation, right? That's just the agreed upon agreement between you and the corporation. And your family gets whatever's left over, right? Yeah. And so what brought your journey that 15-year journey, which is, 15 years is a long time. I mean, we're not talking about a flash in the pan here. You, you did a good job of navigating a corporate environment. You did it for years, and there is something about that. But at some point, it wasn't for you anymore. So let's talk about how it ended for you. Well, so I talked about 15 years of happiness. I guess what I really put in there is about 14. And then they came to me and said, it's time <clears throat> for a broadening of horizons, you need to expand out to new territory. And if anybody's been in a corporate environment where you've got regions, sections, division, whatever, you realize that in management, they expect you to sort of cross-train yourself, bounce around and learn the different one. Same thing with operations management here. So it was time to go move on to another location. And it was about an hour, 15 minutes away from my house. And the ideal thing might've been to uproot my family, move over there, and then continue on with my progression because that wasn't going to be my last. You're supposed to go there. You hang out a year or two. You go to the next place. And you continually are moving up and up and up. A little bit like uh, I think we've had an example of the Price is Right Yodler. <laughs> that is how a career trek looks to uh, someone who's doing it, as far as I'm concerned, right. You know, no point do you ever go backwards in your career. You're not supposed to. It's well, always going forward, forward, forward. You're always – you're stuck between two places or you're pulled in two directions. You're pulled in the direction of your own interest, and then you're pulled in the direction of where the company needs you. And, and I think there are oftentimes, you felt this as a manager. I've been all kinds of guilty about this as a manager. Rather than looking at where the person fits best in an organization, you look at where you have a need mm -hmm. and you overlook the talent or the tendency of one individual because you know they have the competency and they're capable of doing a role and you have a need. So you place that burden on them. So this happens to you. 
Yeah, and well, now, take, see, that's take, me, take me, me to the take me to the bitter end. Take me to where the great. So got I get salad. out there. I'm an hour and fifteen minutes from my family. I'm having to stay over it's like three nights a week. It's 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 destroying. Ooh, life yeah, got hard. It's the beginning of the end for something. Yeah, and I decided that that wasn't going to be my family life. It was going to be the beginning of the end of my career. But I wasn't going to be the one to it. So I swam in that existence for a little while. Were you aware when you were doing this? Is this all conscious action? Yeah, it's burnout. Okay. There's a term for it. Yeah. It's called burnout. I was burnout. I, I, like I didn't that. care. Hate my job's not good enough anymore. No. Burnout. Yeah. All right. That sounds clinical. It really is. It's a thing. And it, it just in, imbibes the, the feeling that you'll show up, but that's about all they're getting. Yeah. <laughs> And, and man, I tell you, I've seen people swim in this. I, I'm a little embarrassed to be sitting here saying I did it myself. Because part of my time as a manager was meant trying to not get people to that point. And if you had no choice to get people out that had gotten to that point. So here it was a little bit ironic that I'm, 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 I'm swimming in that myself. Nonetheless, you don't always have that choice like you want to. And that day came whenever I'm sitting there in front of the, uh, the loss prevention guy uh, getting interviewed about some uh, issue that's gone on that needed correction I didn't correct. And uh, while we're in that interview, I, 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 the way I'm giving answers, it, it caused him to stop and, uh, and, and stay. He was trying to warn me. He, he said, look, you don't have to lay on the sword here. Because <laughs> he, was, he was a friend of mine. I mean, I've been there 15 years. I'd helped the guy with his career. I'd hired him. And, you know, it was funny. Here he was giving me my exit interview. But I told him, like, no, this is, I'm giving you exactly the truth that I have lived, and I want exactly the ramifications that come from that. This is what I wanted months ago, years ago, maybe even. Mm -hmm. And they're now doing me the courteousness of performing the action I was unwilling to do. Yeah. So that, that release came. I, I will say again, I'll, over and over, bittersweet. I, I am extremely glad for the experience. Glad I'm not there anymore, but I wasn't broken away from those domesticated chains quite yet. It, it, it went into another and another. It took me three times of getting a career that on the surface was plenty, everything you could want, stop complaining about life, just go to work every day, collect your paycheck, pay your bills, find some other happiness outside of that. Like that's, that kept being what got put in front of me. So you wrapped up a 15-year career and you went out to find the next one. Hmm. Oh, the frying pan and the fryer was yeah, what I did. And the next one didn't work out. Right. And then so you went out to find another one and the next one didn't work out. Right. Which brings us roughly to today, which now what do you do? How do you spend your time? All right. So that led me to my most favorite career I've ever had. And in the end, the one I truly wanted, but was told by society it wasn't for me. Now, whether that's what society was trying to say or not, that's what I heard. I was told that if you're a grown man and you're not the one bringing home money to support your family, then you have failed. You're not being the man. You're not being the father. You're not being the husband that you need to be for your family. And the irony was, was that me doing that led me to being the kind of person my family didn't want to be around. So me trying to fit myself into that box, the society said, keep this career, pay for your family, love them this way. They, they weren't allowing you to provide and love for your family the way you wanted to, the way I wanted to. And that's with my presence, my time, my attention right in front of them. Instead, it was supposed to be, hey, go love and, and care for your family by leaving them. <laughs> get away. Go get yourself into a state of mind that when you do come back around, you don't even want to be there. You've got to numb yourself with substances to put up with it. 
that's what I did for a long time. And so the most beautiful thing was, was when I got out of that and realized, oh, let's flip that around. Instead of giving them all the time, my time, attention, my work is now my family. And even when I started doing it, I wasn't even labeling myself a stay-at-home dad, um, a house husband. But it wasn't necessarily a term that I was trying to aspire towards. I was just trying to aspire to do what I've been craving to for so long through a corporation. And when I removed them out of the mix and just started applying my time, attention, and effort directly to what my family needed, it put me in this place. It put me into a life of freedom, of joy and of love that I am able to share at any time with my family, not just when work isn't bothering me or when I'm not distracted by something else. And, and that place is where you want, I want to come from all the time. So to clarify, you're, you're now a domestic caretaker slash philosopher slash podcaster, right? I have many hats, but yes. After I'd been a house husband, stay-at-home dad, for a little while I was talking with someone about the insights that we're going to go through on this. Some of that feeling from uh, bondage into freedom and uh, living that life of choice. And whenever I got done telling him a little bit of how I got there and my thoughts on it, he said, you know what? You're a philosopher. And that hit home with me. I was like, wow, let me look into that. And once I looked up what that meant, I said, yes, yes, I am. That fits. And, I, and what I loved on that was that the second definition of philosophical, and that is to be able to look at and approach any challenges in life with a calm demeanor. Now, I kind of butchered that up a little bit, but what I hear that saying is just someone who can accept, understand, and apply what's going on in the present moment. So here you are now, a, a philosopher, caring for your family and feeling better about life than maybe you ever have before. Is that, is that possible? Wow, is it? <laughs> I think so. Okay. You know, life just keeps getting better. Because I, I look back at uh, my life and anytime you're having experience, it's not like something that's happened to you in the past takes away from it. Anytime you're sitting in your present now, you have your past and what you're doing. So you're always coming from a better place if you're willing to allow for that. You're enjoying the awareness of the present now, maybe more so than the past, because you have now the, the ability, the time to access the presence, which is something that we all struggle with when we're working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks. How, how do I keep my presence in front of my family when there's all these demands that are drawing my attention away from it? Right. Okay. So it's beautiful. You see some of what I'm talking about there, like you've been through a little bit of this as well. Yeah, my story is similar to yours. 15 years in a, in a corporate job in the Caterpillar Network. Uh, ended up as a business unit manager. I was middle management, just straight up vanilla middle management. Is well, as, that's where you got as to. Where did you start? Goes, right. Oh, I started straight out of college. So I like you. I bought a whole lot of college, man. My shopping cart was full when I was standing in line to check out at the college stand. A um, couple degrees, couple different places. Very proud of them. And then I show up at the workplace. <laughs> like, wow. It turns out I'd have been better off learning how to manage a crew at a fast food restaurant for extended period of times with the appropriate reflection and guidance than maybe I would have been spending seven years and hundreds of thousands of dollars on a degree. But you, you learn that and you learn that in flight and we're all building a bicycle as we ride it. And so I had success in that corporation uh, until I didn't. And like you mentioned, I was 
very quickly climbing a corporate ladder until I fell off of it. And after I fell off of it, I now had the time to stop and contemplate. And fortunately for me, I was collecting real estate that entire time. I was at a corporation. I was buying single family homes and rehabbing them and, and putting tenants in them. And I didn't know why, kind of like you, I've got a lot of energy and I need outlets for it. And the boxes of the work I was doing on, on a day-to-day -day in, in management and leadership, it just didn't fill my basket. And so I was always tinkering with something on the outside. And so about the time I'd get done with a rental house, I'd say, all right, never again. And then three months later, it'd come and I'd be like, oh, let's buy another rental house. It'll give me something else to do. And so what I didn't know in those moments and what I can now see with a little bit more clarity reflecting back is I was chasing some outlet of creativity. And I was chasing one that could accompany this job and this time commitment and pay respect to the money that I had in my college degree, pay respect to the time that I had in the organization, and still let me cut loose some creativity in, in a very mundane, poor Home Depot into house kind of way. That's what remodeling those houses were for me. So fast forward to my fall in an organization, which was entirely my fault. I found myself in a role that did not, it didn't check boxes for creativity. It didn't inspire me. It didn't have my focus. And rather than addressing that, I just kind of rolled around in it for a while. And a year became two years, two years became three years. And before, before you know, you're, you're looking up at an unsuccessful operation. And it, it has nothing to do with really anybody else other than yourself and your lack of focus and your lack of leadership. And so I leave the corporate world. And from here, I've, I've continued to rehab and now I develop property and I, I have some commercial property. I manage that. And so I, I was fortunate, I think, to be able to understand that I didn't know I was building an exit for myself. I, I just think I was building a creative outlet that turned out to be an exit. Uh, but now I, I, I do a little bit of real estate. Uh, I enjoy it. I try not to do too much real estate because too much real estate, like any other job, becomes stressful. So I hang tight with a little bit of rehab. Uh, I develop some commercial property, and then I also life coach on the side. And, and that's become the focus in this latter portion of my life is my goal now is to help people. It's to help people with what I learn, to help people with the scar tissue that I still have hanging off my elbows from some of my time in the corporate arena. And I've also had the luxury of reflection. And you don't realize how valuable it is. And still you start looking backwards. And then in that reflection, you realize, oh, I, I never reflect. I just live here. I live in this day. And then tomorrow comes and I live in the next day. And I live in the next day. And I don't spend a lot of time reflecting on what I've learned, what has worked well, what hasn't worked well. And so now I have that time. Now I work with people on their reflection, on how they find joy and happiness in their life. And sometimes it's significant. Sometimes it's career change. Sometimes it's as little as making adjustments to the rudder on the ship that you're, or on the boat that you're already uh, captaining. And so there's a lot of ways to find happiness in life, but you have to explore them. And you have to be aware that, that your happiness and your joy is your responsibility. And the phrase I love that kind of reminds me is that hurt people hurt people. Well then, so what do healthy people do? And you talk about that time of reflection. So yeah, I can reflect back now on what I did as a hurt person, some of my actions, the way they affected those that I cared about, the way they affected people I didn't even care about. And now I feel that I've healed from that hurt. 
I've healed from my twenties. <laughs> and so if you're not a hurt person anymore, what do healthy people do? Well, healthy people need to help. And that is what I'm kind of feeling this call to action here with this podcast. To be honest, if you want to extend that out, i would give it to a whole generation. Some of what we're talking about here is really going to echo with everybody in that 40s range, either knocking on the door or you just shut it. You are going to be someone who's probably felt, dealt with, lived through some of these same things we have. So what we're here to do is we're hoping that when we're sharing of ours is a shared experience that others have. And if you do, maybe you can kind of learn and get some direction as to what we've found and where we're headed with our new feral thoughts that we have come across after breaking out of that domestication that society will so easily slide you into. Yeah, and helping people is also how you continue to learn about yourself. And I, I think that's the beauty of reflection. It's the beauty of reflecting on a career in the goal or the endeavor of trying to help somebody else is you continue to learn about yourself and what you did well and what you didn't do well and, and all things in between. And, and I think that's the excitement of starting a podcast where we want to encourage people to really take a look at inside where their curiosities are demanding their attention and where they may be ignoring that call for attention and how exactly that's backfiring on them. And it's as, it's as simple as an awareness that, oh, wait, I do have free will. And in that free will, I have the ability to chase my curiosities. And you can go a long time in a life where you're numb to that reality, but it's always there. You always have options. You're not alone. You're also not alone in these thoughts that, well, I went out and did everything wrong because I paid a lot for that college degree. And, and then I spent X amount of time in a career and now I just don't like any of it. That doesn't make you unique. I, I would think that probably makes you more like the rest of us than you fail to realize because when you're in those corporations, you don't talk about that. You don't share with people the struggle you have. And the reason you don't do that, because that would look like weakness. And if you're in a leadership role, or in general, if you have some concern about your political equity in an organization, you're not going to walk around telling people, hey, I don't feel so good. Hey, I don't like this. You don't want to become the whiny guy. You want to be the guy that can put everything on their back and run up the hill. And you pride yourself on that. And you've spent years developing that. And then all of a sudden, your shoulders grow weary. And you realize, man, I've been pulling a lot of weight for a lot of time. And as I pull more and more weight, I seem to feel more and more like I don't need to be pulling this weight. It doesn't feel as good as it would at one time. No, mm. it'll fade on you. So we are the Feral Minds Podcast, and we are here to explore domestication. What our journey from domestication looked like. What your options are, how, how you can explore that wild mind that's in between your ears that, that you've nerfed all around because... It seemed like the thing to do, or that's what the guidance was. We're here to explore those thoughts and hopefully inspire some exploration on your end. Come play with us outside the cage, outside the chains, outside the limitation of your mind. Allow it to be feral and come run free. Yeah, we also have an opportunity for you to join the show. And we have what's called a thought line, which is a fancy word for a voicemail box where you can call us and tell us about your troubles. Tell us about your career. Tell us about your challenges with parenting, your challenges with diet and fitness. We're here to help. And I can't wave that flag loud enough. We need a help flag because that's really what we're looking to do. We enjoy being on the microphone and, and, and having conversations that's philosophical in nature. But I think more than that, 
we enjoy helping people. And so we want you to reach out to the show and leave us your thoughts, leave us your challenges, and we will do our best to see if we can help you. That will be our focus. Are we qualified? Who knows? Who's qualified to do anything? And maybe they'll be helping us. That's possible. I guarantee you, every time you help somebody, you learn a little bit about yourself. And that's that's the little nugget and the joy of giving. So we have a thought line. The number for that thought line is 866-340-3394. One more time. It's 866-340-3394. Call that number. Uh, we can keep it anonymous if you'd like. Uh, most likely we're just going to use a first name, but we can leave that out as well. Uh, call that number and tell us how we can help you. We look forward to hearing it. Anything else you have, Trace? Uh, share those feral thoughts just like we're sharing ours. Absolutely. Let's go run in the fields of thought together. Cut it loose. We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866 866- 340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.